Well, get your Bibles and meet me in 1 Corinthians, and uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of the context, and then we'll talk about it, and we'll talk about it. Um, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and let's just say they're an interesting group of people. We could say that. They're... um, If the church of Corinth had a testimony, okay, the testimony would be like that of someone who went off the rails, went to rehab, went to prison, had 12 kids with 14 women, and then, you know, Jesus saved them by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the church of Corinth. Paul writes to him about incest, um, you know, and there's a whole bunch of stuff, and we're not going to talk about that because that's not what I came to preach about today. What I did come to preach about today was um, something completely different. But they, they had gone through so much. Their testimony was crazy. And they got into this state that I won't even just generalize Christians. I will say most people get to this point. I know it's happened with me where we would judge somebody for something we did like just a few years ago. Have you ever done that? The other day I was like judging somebody and I'm not gonna tell you what it was about, but I was like, how could they do that? How could they just, you know what? Talking about the speck in their eye and and just not even thinking about the plank in my own. And I was judging them so hard. And and my mind just kind of said to me, hey, uh, you know, you did that. You did that too, right? You know, you know, you did that when, 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 yeah. And so we get in this. So Paul writes to these Corinthians, and this is what he says. Verse 26 in 1 Corinthians 1. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential Not many were of noble birth. Basically, he was saying, look, when God chose you, he he started from scratch, okay? (laughs) And um, verse 27, "But, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. Look, you don't have anything to boast about. You don't have anything to be proud of. You don't have anything to get all excited about because it it wasn't by your grace. But verse 30, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And um, the subject I want to talk to you today comes from verse 27. Um, But God chose. (laughs) Have you ever heard somebody say that? It's kind of cheesy. Abigail, have you ever heard this? Uh, God's got a big butt. Have you ever heard that? No. Taylor, have you heard? No. They'll say, um, God's got a big butt, not, not, um, not his glute muscles, but his, um, 
They'll say, you know, I was lost, but now I'm found, you know? Well, that but, that's a big but, you know? Anyways, but God chose. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. So when Paul writes, he starts in verse 26, and he's like, look, let's just, and this is the thing that us as preachers tell you never to do. He's like, think back to when you were called. Let's think back before you were saved, before you were sanctified, before you were, you know, oh, holy art thou, before all that happened, before all that junk got started, let's think back to where God found you, okay? Because when he found you, he had some work to do. It wasn't like, you know, I think of it like this. God didn't choose me because of anything, okay? But God chose me in spite of. He didn't, he didn't call me, and this is good news. I know it sounds discouraging, but it's encouraging. Because God didn't choose me for what I could do for him. Because when he chose me, he didn't choose me so I could preach for him. He didn't choose me so I could do this or do that or, or anything like that. He chose me because he wanted me. And he chose you because he wanted you. And if we're not careful, we'll slip into this way of thinking where we're like, oh, well, God chose me and he called me to do this. Yes. He did call you to do that, but that's not why God chose you. Because when he found you, um, you, you were not very wise by human standards. Paul said, you were dumb. He said, you're, you're a dummy when God found you. Do, do I have anybody put a comment if you were just, if you were, when God found, I'm not talking about now. You've been saved five years now. I'm talking about when God found you. You were not wise by human standards and not many were influential. You didn't have, you didn't have a lot of followers. Nobody knew your name and you, you, you didn't have a noble birth. So He's like, because the church of Corinth was mainly Gentiles. And, um, you know, I've preached about this so many times that the Jewish people thought, you know, God was for them. And it was a status symbol to be a Jew. But then Jesus came and he made it a level playing field for all. So Paul's like, you know, hey, even if you were going to be proud about something, let's think back about this, okay? When God found you, you were, you were not very wise. That's a very nice way of saying you needed some advice. You were struggling. You were not very influential. Um, and you didn't have a noble birth. So you didn't have status. You didn't have wisdom. But God chose you. <laughs> not, not, not so you could do any. He just chose you. This is hard for me. I'm going to talk about me for just a minute. Because I equate worth often with doing. So I'll think, oh, God loves me because I do this. Or, or maybe God loves me because I don't do that. But when God chose you, 
you had um, you had some things to work through. And um, so when Paul's writing this, he's kind of humbling them, you know? He's kind of like, hey, man, uh, you know, yeah, you, uh, God's doing some great things in the church of Corinth, and, you know, nobody's perfect, but I just want to remind you that um, when God found you, you know, and he's humbling them, right? And you're like, yeah, because we're supposed to be humble as Christians, why is that? And let me say this. Humility is not feeling like bad about yourself or never like or never accepting compliments or not thinking that you're good at something that you're actually good at. That's not humility. That's false humility. True humility means I'm open. I'm open like this. Because arrogance is a block. You ever seen the boxers and when the they're blocking because they don't want anything from the outside to get close to them. Well, that's what pride does. So when Paul writes, he's kind of leveling the playing field in, in verse 26, and he's humbling them. And he's saying, hey, um, hey, you might want to put your mitts down and your boxing gloves down. You might want to take those off and open up to receive what God wants to speak. Because if you're not careful, you'll start walking around like this. And anytime somebody wants to be nice to you, you'll, you'll block them. Or, or, or anytime somebody wants to correct you, you'll, you'll, you'll don't they? And God won't be able to get anything to you. It's not that you're like, you know, God, uh, hey God, will you speak to me? Hey, God, I'm lonely. Will you send me some friends? <clears throat> hey, God, I'm really trying. Will you send me some opportunities? Instead of saying, hey, God, um, you know, what do, what do I need to, what do I need to do? What, what do I need to get better at? What, what, what do I need to, I'm open. Humility is just being open. It's not feeling bad about yourself. You know, people think like, oh, you got to be humble. Yeah, you know, ah. You suck at this. And it's like, what? You, that's not humility. But God wanted to, to open up the church of Corinth's heart so they could receive. The Holy Spirit is, is in the scripture called the helper. Well, you can't receive help. <laughs> when you're hiding. And God wants to help you. But can you, can you be open enough, humble enough? Redefine humble. You can be confident and humble. You can be standing up ready to take it on and believing that you can do it and be humble. And so he's just reminding them. <laughs> but, you know, that's not really what I want to preach about. That was just my introduction. Here's where I want to start preaching, verse 27. But God chose... 
but God chose. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Um, I'm not really like super into this, but I've read a few books about it. In, in finances, you know, stocks, they'll teach you, um, hey, don't, don't buy a stock if it's about to dip. Because you want to buy it buy low, sell high, sell high. That's kind of the, the name of the game. I don't know. I don't do stocks, but God put all his stock. God put all his money in you. And he knew you would dip. Oh, yeah, yeah. He invested in you. He put his spirit in you. He put his love in you. He put his grace in you. He put his power on the inside of you. And he knew you would dip. He knew, he knew you would mess up. But he chose you. But God chose you. Oh, he knew you would make the mistake. He knew you would do it. He knew you would do the dumb thing. But God chose you. He knew. He knew you wouldn't feel worthy to do what he called, he's called you to do, but, but God chose the weak to shame the strong. So they'll teach you, um, if you do buy a stock and it dips in value, don't, don't sell it while it's low because it'll come back up eventually. And uh, if you sell it while it's low, then you know you definitely lost money. If you buy here and sell here, you definitely lost money, but there's a good chance that it's gonna come back up and it might even go back up higher than where you bought it at and you make some money, which is the whole point, right? So God's saying, I know you dipped, but I'm not selling. I'm not pulling my resource out even though you dipped. I'm not pulling my love out even though you messed up. But God chose you. But God chose the foolish things to shame the wise. But God chose the weak thing to shame the strong. But God chose the weak thing. God chose the hurt thing. God chose the thing that didn't feel worthy, the one that didn't think they have what it takes. But God chose. But God chose. I get messed up when I try to understand God and what he's doing on like a very logical level because I've just got to be honest with you, God's kind of irrational and illogical. And I'm not saying he's crazy, but I am saying I haven't been alive for, you know, 75 years. Maybe you want to talk to somebody older. I will say in my limited experience of my encounters with God, he's not very logical in some of the way he does things. Oh, you, okay. If I'm going to send the savior of the world to take sin away, okay, I'm sending Tim Tebow. 
I'm sending muscles and great personality and charisma and, you know, a fervor for the Lord and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm sending him. When God sent the Savior of the world, he, he didn't send Tebow. He sent a baby. You know, animal babies have a better chance of survival than human babies because even if an animal is left alone, uh, an animal baby is left alone, it still has an okay chance of surviving for most animals. But a human baby, if left alone, it's like the most vulnerable thing. There's no way, there's 0% chance if you leave a baby alone, there is a 0% chance that thing will survive. So God sent the most vulnerable thing in the whole entire universe to save us. Oh, my God is mighty to save. Yes, he is. Oh, he is mighty to save. Yeah. But when he came, he wasn't mighty. He was crying in diapers. He, he was vulnerable. So I'm just saying, God's not logical like we are. God's not, God doesn't, one plus one doesn't always equal two when it comes to to the way God does things. When he wanted to get the gospel into Samaria, go read Mark, uh, John 4. What Jesus didn't do, Jesus didn't go down to the rabbi school and to the seminary and say, hey, where's all the Bible students at? All right, how many verses do you have memorized? All right, come with me. We're going to go to Samaria, and we're going to do a preaching crusade. No, God didn't go get Billy Graham. God didn't go get T.D. Jakes or Mother Teresa. This is who God got. You want to know who but God chose? But, but Jesus didn't do any of that, but Jesus walked out to a well, and he found a woman there, a woman who didn't even believe the same theology as him, and he said to that woman, he said to that woman, I am the Messiah. And she went back into Samaria and she started telling everybody. Let me tell you a little bit about this woman. This woman had uh, one husband. And then uh, she had a second husband. And then she had a third husband. And then she had a fourth and then a fifth. And then after that, she was living with a guy wasn't her husband. Now, to be fair to this woman, women in this society couldn't file for a divorce. So that must mean that she felt like, what's wrong with me? Everyone who gets close to me leaves, and I can't do anything to keep them. My love's not enough. My, I'm not enough. And that woman... See where I'm going with this? That's who God chose. The King James Version doesn't say he chose the foolish to shame the wise. It says he uses the foolish to confound the wise. So earthly wisdom will look at some of the things that God does and say, that, you know, that doesn't make sense and, and that doesn't add up and I, I don't get it. And, and this is where I get messed up when I'm following God because I'm like, how in the world can you use me? Why do you want me? Because that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I got some reasons. I got some logical reasons. I've got proof of why you shouldn't use me. But God chose. God chose the weak to shame the wise. 
But the enemy chooses your weakness to shame you. Because the thing about you, Paul said, in, in, in your weakness, then God is made powerful. So, so your area of weakness is the opportunity for God's power to come through. And so God looks at your weakness and sees opportunity to use you. The enemy looks at your weakness and uses opportunity to say, see, this is why God can't use you. Yeah, God could have used you, but no, I'm here to say, but God chose. I know, I know, I know, but God chose. Because when God, when God builds, when God makes, when God creates, God starts from, from scratch. <laughs> but God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him, but it is because of him. It's because of him. See, you can't mess it up because it's not because of you, it's because of him. So it's not because of your works or because of your faith or because of your actions or because of anything you can do or accomplish or say or think or, or, or anything like that. It is because of him. It is because of him. It is because of him that you are in Christ. You are in Christ. You are in Christ. Like it, while, a long time ago, I preached a sermon, and it was about Paul, uh, something Paul said in Philippians. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And I went around to like 10 or 15 people that, you know, are Christians, and I asked them, what does that mean? And none of them knew. Not one, not one, not one of them knew. Because we have this tendency to just say things but not like, like we're robots, where we just like say things because they sound good and because everybody else says them, but we don't really think about what they mean. And it's like we're programmed, but, but it says, you are in Christ Jesus. Now, I know Christ Jesus is in me, but what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, I'll tell you, you wanna know? Come on. I'll tell you. Are you ready for it? If you are in Christ, it means you're covered. You are protected. So now you don't have to walk around like this because I'm covered. I can be open because I'm covered. I can be humble because I'm covered. I can be confident because I've hum I'm covered. I'm called because I'm covered. I'm chosen because I've I'm covered. I've got grace because I'm covered. I've got mercy because I'm covered. I'm covered. It is because of him, not because of me. So my mistakes don't nullify it. <laughs> oh, okay, this is what I, I'm so excited about this. All right, flip with me. Let's go to Genesis, where it all began, where it all began. 
And this is Genesis 12. Uh, my Bible has it titled, The Call of Abram. Um, some, some, some people might say the promise or, or, or the covenant that, that God gave to Abraham. Okay, and this is the first time we see it. It's in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on the world will be blessed through you. Verse 2, I will bless you. I will bless you. Not, I will bless you if you will. No. God said, I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless, not I will bless you if. There is no, this is the covenant. This is a covenant. A covenant's kind of like a promise or a contract. And it's like, um, it, or, or a call. It's a promise. It's saying, I will do this. God's saying, I will make you. Because when God found you, he had to make he had to shift. He had to put some things together, put some things in place. He, had to, he started from scratch when he found you, okay? But God chose you, and he said, I will bless you. Not I will bless you if. Not I will bless you when. I will bless you. I will. I will do this because I'm God, and it is because of him that I have this. It is because of him. It's the covenant. Not, not because of me, but because of him. And there's one more verse I want to show you about this. Because Abraham, I got to tell you something, he didn't always get it right. In the same chapter, God made that promise, that covenant with him. Um, he went to Egypt and he lied. Pharaoh about his wife because he was afraid that Pharaoh would see his wife and want to marry his wife so they would kill him. So he lied. But God chose him still. Um, a few chapters later, when the promise that God made him to make a nation because this guy, this guy was old. He was 75 when God talked to him the first time. He was 99 the next time. And God was saying, I'm gonna give you a son. And Abraham's like, I'm old. Sarah's old. <laughs> you ain't giving us no son. But God chose. But God said, I will. And I know it's not logical, and I know you can't. One plus one equals two. No, 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 one plus one equals four. I mean, what are you doing, God? This doesn't make any sense, God. But God chose. And Abraham didn't always get it right. And he went and slept with the servant and got her pregnant. And then he thought, well, maybe, maybe God will do it this way through, through the servant's son. But God said, I'll bless, I'll bless him. I'll bless Ishmael. You don't have to worry about him, but 
but God still chose. I'm still gonna do what I said I would do. I know it doesn't look like it. I know you can't see it. I know it doesn't feel right. I know you're so confused right now, but God chose you and he's still gonna do it and he's still got a plan for you. Oh, and I wanna come through that camera and just look at you and grab you by your shirt collar and just say, but God chose you. You're like, Jackson, I know, I know God chose Abraham, yeah, but, but he can't use me. But God chose you. Genesis 17, 7. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and for generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. An everlasting covenant, a covenant, a covenant a promise, a contract. In a contract, sometimes there's contingencies. If you ever want to sell your house or if you ever want to buy a house, you might put something in there that says contingent on inspection. That's saying, hey, I'll put an offer in on your house, but I'm going to send an inspector in there. And if there's something I find that I don't like, I'm going to, I'm going to cancel it. I'm going to cancel the offer. But God said no contingencies. My covenant is contingent free, but God chose you. No contingencies, but God chose you. I don't care what you did, but God chose you. But God is with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. He chose you. He picked you. He split the waters, and he came through and said, you are my son, my daughter, and who I am well pleased, and I've chose you. An everlasting covenant. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. But God chose you. There's nothing you can do to disqualify. No contingencies in this covenant. But God chose you. But God chose. Um, I want to show you one last thing. Because when you think about the kind of people God chose, you think, uh, you think God chose people like this, you know? Yeah, you know, that's cool, the church of Corinth, and God chose them, yeah. Um, Abraham, you know, father of many nations, but his wife couldn't even have a baby, okay. Um, but God doesn't use people like me. God uses people like this. God uses people whose lives are put together, you know, perfectly stacked in order. Their finances are great. Their friendships are great. Their family doesn't have any drama ever. They never eat fast food, they're vegans. They work out four times a day. They know Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians. And their favorite Bible verse is John 3.16. That's the kind of people God uses. Um, what, what God chose the weak to shame the strong, but the enemy wants to convince you that God can't use you because your life doesn't look like this. Um, 
the enemy wants to convince you that, you know, God's grace isn't good enough for you because of the mistakes you made. And, um, and that God can't use you because you did some things. And uh, some things happened to you that were out of your control at a young age. So God can't use you now. And the enemy wants to convince you that the only kind of people that God uses, their lives look like a dang Jenga box. Good job on this wrapping, Jenga. <laughs> These are the kind of people these are the kind of people that God uses right here. But um, the thing, <laughs> this is a risky illustration. <laughs> the thing about, I'm just gonna leave that the people that God chose. Um, you know, God doesn't wait for your life to be all put together to use you, but he'll let you fall. So something happens to you, you know, you experience a breakup. Um, something happens to you, you, um, your family goes through something traumatic. The job that you always dreamed of, I gotta find a loose one, gets, uh, gets taken from you. See how fragile we are? And eventually you're barely standing. And all the enemy has to come at this point <laughs> to make you fall is <laughs> just kind of. And then now you're left looking at your life. <laughs> and you're like, well, maybe God could have used me then, but God can't use me now because my life fell apart. But the thing about God is he wants to start from scratch. And he chooses people who are humble enough, open enough to say, I don't know everything. And I need your help because honestly, like, 
it's a, it's a mess, you know? Um, so I just came today really to tell you one thing that I know you feel like that's your life. Get ready to follow me because I'm standing up now. I'm not very flexible. But God chose you. But God chose you. It is because of him. 1 Corinthians 1.30. It is because of him. Not because of you. So don't worry about what you do or what happened to you or this or that. And stop trying to add it all up and make perfect sense all in your head. You're doing too much. He chose you. And he said, I will put my power in you. And not only will I be in you, but you'll be in me. And you'll be in me. And I'll cover you. And I have grace for that. And I have provision for you. And I have so much for you. But I can't help you when you're blocking me. But God chose you. God doesn't wait for things to be put together. None is, righte- none is righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God chose you. Father, I pray this found whoever it needed. This message, I pray you use the algorithm to just jump into somebody's feed that needs to know that God chose them. And they might not always get things right and they might always make the best decisions and they might blow up in anger sometimes and they might be really insecure about this or about that, but God chose them. But you loved them. But you called them. And you do not wait for us to be in a perfect state so that you can use us, but you say, I choose you now. The kind of people that God uses are not always the ones we would use or we would expect. But we're not God. And I'm thankful for that. That you chose me. You called me. Even though I don't deserve it, you use me. So God, I pray you spoke through me today. Not something that I could come up with, but something directly from heaven. And I thank you that your word today can land in someone's heart who's been running from you, not because they don't love you, but because they don't love them. And you'll step into that, that and say, I know you're in pieces. I know you're in pieces. Let's go back down. We're going back down. I know you're in pieces, but um, now that you're in pieces, that gives me something to 
to build with. Now that you're in pieces, that gives me something to work with. I was cooking eggs this morning and I accidentally opened the big hole of the pepper and uh, dumped way too much pepper into my eggs and they were really spicy. God doesn't do that. God's a good chef. He doesn't, what he put in you is the perfect amount of what he needs you to accomplish. So when God, God said, I know, I know you fell apart and I know this happened to you and I know they left you and I know, I know you don't know if you're gonna make it and I know you don't really understand how that's gonna work out. And I know, I know, I know, I know, but, but if you're broken, then that gives me something to build with but God chose you, but God chose Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's message. Well, there's a couple things I'm gonna ask you to do before you go. First, you can give. You can partner with us on a financial level at gracemovement.online. And when you partner with us, you help us get the good news and the gospel out um, so we can continue doing what God has called us to do and impact lives for the kingdom. Another thing you can do is share. Share the message. You can uh, text it to a friend, a family member. Um, you can put it on your social media and help us expand the kingdom that way. Finally, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss any of our content that we put out to build your faith, challenge, and inspire you. Well, I love you so much. Thank you.